Hello and welcome to episode 7 of LUFC Fan Zone Podcast. I'm Sam Isles. And I'm Jack Ellis. And each episode, we'll be talking to a next Leeds United player or manager about their time at the club. Our guests are chosen by you, our followers and listeners, who get the chance to choose who we are joined with by voting in the poll on our LUFC Fan Zone Instagram story. We're delighted to announce that today's episode is sponsored by Luxury Watch Brand and official timing partner of Leeds United, Louis Irard. The company was founded in 1931 in Switzerland and they have been an official partner with Leeds United for the last four years. As this season is Leeds' centenary year, Louis Irad have created a limited edition watch to celebrate 100 years of Leeds United. This celebratory watch is limited to just 100 pieces with every piece made precisely by hand. The watch uses the same automatic chronograph found in brands such as Tag Heuer and Breitling. And their limited centenary piece has a special dial made using fragments of the brick from the Players' Tunnel at Ellen Road, allowing you to wear a very unique piece of Leeds United history on your wrist. The watch is available on the official Leeds United website and the online club shop, as well as on Louis Irard's Instagram page, at Louis Irard Official, and their website, www.louisirard.com, along with the rest of their luxury watches. But back to the show. And this week, just over 800 of you wanted us to be joined by a former Leeds United player who had come through the club's academy and progressed into the first team, with 200 of you voting for an Italian player, with 200 of you voting for an Italian player who played for the club under Massimo Cellino. All of our episodes can be found on our LUFC Fanzone YouTube channel, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcast. And last episode, we were with former defender Patrick Gisnobo, who spoke to us about Leeds' League 1 promotion in 2010, beating Manchester United in the FA Cup in the same year, and his infamous head bandage. This week, we're with another former defender, however this time I guess was born much closer to home than Paddy Kisnobo. Born in York, he joined Leeds' academy when he was just 12 years old and went on to make almost 100 Leeds United first team appearances in all competitions, making his debut just aged 18 in the UEFA Cup against Hapoel Tel Aviv in 2002. And it will be a debut for 17-year-old Matthew Kilcannon, who's played reserve team football but uh, has not played first team yet. Matthew Sean Kilgallen. This week, we're delighted to be joined by former defender Matthew Kilgallen. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Uh, no problem. Uh, I follow the page and I'm happy to do it, mate, uh, especially at this exciting time now when, you know, a big game tomorrow and then maybe up by the weekend. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, obviously, we're planning to talk to you about your time at Leeds. However, 13 years after leaving the club, you're still playing, you're still uh, playing football. Not where many people might expect. Uh, this season you've been playing over in the Indian Super League with, uh, is it Hyderabad, if that's? Hyderabad, yeah. Hyderabad that's the one. Hyderabad. Yeah, how have you been finding that? Um, well, I was ex- you know, surprised as you to be over there. It was sort of out the blue, really. Um, I was out playing in uh, the Scottish Premier League with Hamilton and... Um, it just came about. Someone said, do you fancy it? Got in touch. Phil Brown was a manager and he got in touch with me and just said, do you fancy it? And uh, I said, well, let's talk. What, what what sort of contract can you do? And if you if you meet what I want or whatever, you know, just I'll come. Um, it was quite a hard one because obviously you're away for six months, you know, without um, seeing the family. So it had to make sense, you know, financially as well, you know, to be away. But it was exciting uh, they're really trying to push the sort of Indian Super League over there, the football now, because uh, they've got cricket over there that is absolutely wild. 
Um, I didn't even know it was that big until I went out there, but it is crazy. So they're trying to get football up to that, but they've got a long way to go yet. But it's, it's a good league. Every game's televised. You know, it's like a Monday night football every game. So uh, that's good. You're on telly. You know, it's nice stadiums, good pitches. Um, yeah, it, I, it, it was a good time there. And uh, something I'm glad I did. Let's put it that way. Yeah. What, what made you make the switch over to India? Um, it's just a, obviously, you know, when you get older, you know, I was 30, 36 now and there's not many teams wanting you anymore. You know, that tight, that sort of, when everyone wants you, it starts going downhill a little bit and teams aren't as, you know, on the phone as much, shall we say. And not that the phone stopped ringing a little bit, uh, where before it was buzzing a lot, but, um, and it was, it excited me to be honest. And, um, it was uh, something that I thought, you know, I spoke along to the wife about and like I say, at the end of the day, it was good money. And, you know, I was coming to the end of my career. Why not try and fill them pockets up a little bit more before, you know, I have to call it a day and nothing's coming in. Uh, you know, League One and Two now in England, uh, they're struggling a little bit with wages. And it's a tough, tough league. I played in there with Bradford in League One. It was the first time I played in League One and it was it was very tough. You know, and uh, I sort of looked at that and thought, is it worth it? You know, Saturday, Tuesday games for the money they're offering. So it was something when that came in and everything made sense. And that's why I went with it. That's why I went with it. And, um, you know, it's a good story to tell, you know, and people are quite, in, you know, really interested in it. Like, like Jake said, it would be great if we could talk to you about your time at Leeds and especially how you came through the club's academy system as. Last week, Leeds released the news that the academy had been granted the Category 1 status for the first time since the new category systems were introduced in 2012. You joined Leeds Academy when you were just 12 in 1996. But what can you? What was the first thing, your earliest memory about being at Leeds United's Academy in Thorpe Arch? Oh, my word. It was, I mean, it was a strange one how I actually signed for Leeds because... I was at York City at the time and um, I was getting to that sort of 12, 13 where I was, I was starting to grow into a, you know, into a lad really. I, I was tall, I was getting faster, I was getting stronger and I, I was getting better and um, I was starting to overtake people at York City, to be honest. It's, um, and it was my dad, I can remember driving home and he just said, I think you can do better. Um, you know, I had a lot of mates there. So at the time it was like about all my pals, you know, and he said, I'm just going to take you up to Thor Park and I'm just going to go and come and have a watch of the lads that you're always training there. So I thought to myself, fair enough. So I went and watched the under, so big 13s, under 12s. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, you, you could see the sort of difference a little bit. And after the training session, my dad just called the coach over. And I don't think it happens anymore like this, but um, he just said, you know, my lad is a good player. Um, what do you reckon? I think he looked at me and sort of saw my height and, you know, just thought that I was quite confident, whatever. I don't know about well, why he thought. And he said, yeah, come down, come down Thursday night. We trained on a Tuesday, Thursday. He said, come down Thursday. And I trained Thursday night. And by probably a week later, he said, right, we'll sign you. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I started there that was a sort of weird one my dad dragging me up that's what I remember 
dragging me up to Thor Park, like, come on, we'll go watch him. And um, I didn't know he was going to throw that onto the coach, like, but I'm glad <laughs> he did. But that was my first. And I think another memory was, I don't know if they must have been training later on the Tuesday and we got there the first thing. I can remember just seeing all the cars in the car park, you know, your BMWs and uh, it got me really excited. I thought, you know, I want one of them. <laughs> and the facilities up there were something as well. When I went up, I was like, wow, you could tell the difference. You know, it was a proper, proper training ground and it was a lot noisier with the lads training on there. You could see the sort of intensity more, but it was very loud. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, and uh, that was my first experience. Like you said, you were a York lad, which is obviously close to Leeds and very close to Four Parch. So does that mean that you supported Leeds when you were a young kid? It is, yeah. It is. I, I, was, a, I was a Leeds fan. Um, and um, just, I mean, I was very lucky to, when I was in the YTS and everything, that I was ball-boying for the Champions League games. <laughs> well, it was unbelievable. You know, I was the, the lad in the middle of the uh, centre circle with the flag, with the tunes on. And um, I always used to try and get next to the dugout and remember, you know, the bench, I think Real Madrid was outrageous. And I think I spent most of my time looking at Guti than actually uh, watching the game. So, like, them times, were, that that was crazy. And that just made me more and more, you know, I want to go to these games. And I got to go to them because I used to get tickets being, at, you know, at the, at the club. And um, used to sit in the family stand and watch the games right at the top our tickets were then. I think they're a bit better now. I think they're right behind the belt for the lads. So, but um, yeah, always been a, been a Leeds, Leeds lad. But I, I do keep my eye out for York City and always have, you know. Just a couple of years after you joined Leeds, you signed your first multi-year contract, which was the three-year scholarship deal when you were 15. At that time, what was the weekly routine whilst you were at the academy? And what was the difference with, between being a scholar compared to your first couple of years in the youth system? Well, do you mean just training on a night or then when I went to live in there? Well, well, if you're going to live there at a young age, that's a big commitment as yeah, well, isn't I it? Mean, yeah? I mean, as soon as I finished school, obviously I signed my contract there. We, we moved straight onto site at Thorpe Park. I lived in a hostel there. So you move in. So there was a lot of lads from Ireland, a lot of you know lads from Scotland, you know, you just moved in and you're living with these lads. Um, you can imagine the Irish, Welsh, Scottish sort of banter that was flying about at the start and everyone sort of testing each other. But we had some wild times and some good times there. Um, you know, obviously, we were first year, so we were on the bottom floor and then on the second floor was the second year. So you had to be on your toes, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but they were good times. Uh, still keeping in touch with a lot of the lads who I was with, but regarding when I moved in there, how it changed was it, it was serious now. It was, you know, it was, um, you know, I still enjoyed it, but it was a lot more, you know, you're training every day now to play for another contract. And we all had jobs to do, you know, cleaning boots, um, changing rooms, all that. I mean, that was, that was hard because sometimes you you were knackered after training, you were up early, but it was good because you got to listen to the first team's uh, stories, 
when you're sort of picking up their underpants and the shorts and that you used to, you know, maybe hover around a little bit longer to listen to some stories, you know, some big characters then at the time. Um, in that first team, Rio Ferdinand, Gaz Kelly, you know, Mark Viduka, massive, massive players. And I used to watch them, you know, watch them training and learning from them and just think to myself, you know, this is how good you've got to be to get in there. And um, I was just so glad that Leeds were flying at that time. They, it sort of gives you a little kick up the arse to say, well, you know, this is no joke now. You need to be as good as these. And um, I was looking, um, I, I got my head down. I had good times there, you know, got a few tellings off from Eddie Gray, I think like you do. I'm still scared of him now. If I see him in Harrogate, um, he still comes over to me. I still try and hide my pint if I'm out on the night out. <laughs> it's, it's weird, really. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was very dog eat dog then. You know, there's a lot of people in your position that you've got to take uh, older people, and just keeps going on like that. Um, and before you know it, you're training with the first team. You know, it's you get into the reserves. And it's a, you have to go again. You have to get into that position now. So it was just constantly you'd get somewhere and then there'd be someone looking at you to say, well, this is mine. And, and then you'd take that and then you'd look again and it just kept going until you eventually get in there. And uh, during your scholarship, as well as playing for Leeds, you're also playing for various England youth teams. What, what can you remember about your first England youth match? And when did you first know that you were getting the call up? Um, it was actually, can you remember the Victory Shield? You lads might not. Can you remember the Victory Shield? Uh, can't say <laughs> yeah. I know. For me. Well, basically, the, the Victory Shield was, say, if you were in the last year of your school, um, so sort of 14, 15, I think it was under 15 the Victory Shield, you'd, you'd go away, they'd pick the best players out of um, England and you go do a trial with them. And then you play in the Victory Shield against Ireland, Wales and Scotland on telly. So that was that was the first time. And I got into the squads and made it all the way. And then at 15 years old, I um, tore my cartilage at 15. So that was a, you know, how have I done that so early? You know, it's crazy, really. I should be, you know, made out of, you know, concrete, there should be nothing wrong with me now. And I missed all the victory shields. But um, at that time, the you know, they were very good with me. I think it was Dick Bates, his name was. And he used to ring me and say, don't worry. As soon as you get it right, you can play in the next one. So I think I was actually under 16s when I first started. And we played against, I think we played, might have played Holland. And uh, I got subbed after 60 minutes. I had an absolute beast. And uh, <laughs> I came off. <laughs> But then, obviously, they watch you playing for Leeds on a, a Saturday, you know, under 17, under 18. So I, I got back into the squads because of that. And, yeah, I played um, played quite a few games for, like, under 20s, under 18s, 16s. And then I think about maybe five or six for 21s. I can't, not quite sure. But, yeah, they, they were good. They were good times because you were playing against the best at your age. What I think kicks you on again. It's it's a it's a good one. You, you know, I was from York, you know, and never been to London. You know, I'd never, you know, I'd never travelled round. You know, I didn't just the way it was. And next thing you know, you're talking to a scouser or you're talking to a you know a Cockney 
you know, and that it was good. It, got, it was good. It was sort of life. It was, you know, it, it, it was good times, but um, yeah, enjoyable. Still got the shirts and that and the caps, everything like that. So um, it was a, a good memory, that. Whilst we're just about to begin talking to Matt about reaching the first team at Leeds United, it's a great time to promote our partner, Old School Leeds. Visit Old School Leeds on their Instagram page at old underscore school underscore leads or their website www.theoldschoolleadsco.com for all your Dirty Leeds merchandise. They have a brand new selection of Dirty Leeds shirts, jumpers, hats and even stickers. So head over to their Instagram page or website to view all their new additions. You'll need to be quick though, as their stock does run out very fast. And as a result, Old School Leads have released a discount code FANZONE to use at checkout for 20% off your order. Check them out and help spread the Dirty Leads name. Following the completion of your three-year scholar deal at Leeds, you signed your first professional contract at Leeds when you were just 18 and you were quite a regular in the Premier League squad for the 2002-2003 season. What was it like going from training within the youth setup and being around Mills, Radderby, etc., to actually being in the same dressing room as them? Yeah. If, do you know what? When you're younger, you sort of just all take it. You take it in your stride. I would, you know, I, I can't ever remember me thinking, "Oh my God," you know, because I saw them around the place so much as well, and uh, they were very good with the young lads. You know, you all the the involved you had a laugh. I mean, I can remember my first training session when I think I was outside sweeping. I can remember Eddie Gray or Eddie Gray coming up to me and he just tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're with the first team today. And this was my first training session. So I thought to myself, whoa, you know, okay then. So, you know, you start getting a bit nervous and that I finished my jobs off and uh, probably had no breakfast, you know, just running late. I'd rather lie in bed at that. You know, it's just all not preparation for me training that day and uh, I went out there and the first session we did one-on-ones we did a one-on-one drill where all the strikers Viduka, Alan Smith uh, Harry Kewell were all on the halfway line and we had to get a ball on the six-yard box and clip it into them and then they'd come a one-on-one with you so you'd come out and they had to try and get past you so I'm stood next to the post and everyone's having a go. And uh, Eddie, like Gray says to me behind me, says, are you ready? Are you ready, son? So I said, yeah, 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 yeah. So I got the ball <laughs> and I looked up and I'd only pulled Harry Kuehl out, hadn't I, for the first one-on-one. I mean, this guy's been abusing Premier League defenders all season and that, and I'm just thinking, wow. Why didn't I just, you know, have a look who was it? So I clipped the ball out. It was a nice clip, to be fair. I was worried about that at the start, and I clipped it straight onto him. But as I've run, I have sprinted, and I was sprinted. And as the ball sort of come to him, I'm running full steam ahead. Didn't put no brakes on. On first touch, he just popped it before, popped it over my head, ran around me and put it in the bottom corner. So I walked back to the... Yeah, I walked back to the thing and <laughs> Eddie Gray said to me, you can't defend like that here, son. <laughs> Don't get away with that here, son. So I was like, right. And then obviously I grew into it. And then about the third session, 
um, training. And I, I did well after that. I got into it and they said, right, you're with I virtually stayed with them then, but I think like third session, remember a ball coming to Viduka and Viduka used to play like this. He was a bat, he had a back like that and he used to sort of shield the ball like that. And me being really eager, a couple of times that it's come into him, I've gone in quite tight on him and he, you can see him thinking, this guy's really annoying me here. So a ball came into him and as it's about to come into him, he just put his arm up and I swear to God, he elbowed me right there. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. And this guy, he hit me and just fell to the floor. And everyone was like, like, let it play on for a bit. And then I think when they realised that he'd almost knocked my windpipe out, my, they all came out. I had to finish training. Yeah, absolutely knacked. But that's when I started to think, so, right, look after yourself. Know when you can go nick the ball. Yeah. You know, know who you're playing against. Don't ever try and nick in front of a duker because it's not possible. So, um, yeah, and then from then on, I, I, I started travelling with the with the uh, first team. Like you said, Ed Gray was part of the coaching staff, but the manager at the time was Terry Venables. How did the managers and the coaching staff help integrate you into the first team or was it just basically leave it down to you and go for yeah. the best? yeah. Basically, it's basically sink or swim. They give you the nudge to say, you know, you've done enough in the reserves ga- reserve games and played well, consistent for maybe, you know, 15 games or whatever. And they just, there's no, oh, you might go in. It, like you say, it was a tap on my shoulder while I'm sweeping. You're training today. And you're straight into the deep end. There's no, oh, you missed this turn out or you don't do this run. Do you know what I mean? You're in and you either you step up to it or they'll take you out and you won't train and you've got to wait another three months or whatever. So no, it's quite a hard school. If you're in and you perform, you'll travel and you'll stay there. And if you don't, you're away, back down to reserves. At the start of that season, despite selling Rio Ferdinand, Leeds had 10 defenders in the first team squad, including yourself. Did you have any concerns at the start of the campaign that you might not feature as frequently as you might want to in that first season? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I know where you're coming from there, but I, w- I always thought to myself, I wasn't ready at that time because of the centre-halves that were there. I wasn't, I wasn't good enough at that time because, like you say, who was there, Woodgate, Don Matteo, you know, these are lads who were established, you know, it, you know, coming to the prime of their sort of career. Um, I think I went on loan to West Ham and that was a big eye opener for me. Again, sort of living away in London, playing in the championship. You know, I played, played in the FA Cup against Tottenham. It was just all getting me the, the, the experience. Um, and, um, Actually, uh, West Ham wanted to keep me for another till the end of the season, but Eddie Gray, I think, obviously heard that I was doing well there, that wanted me back. And sort of that time, then a few other centre halves went, didn't they? Did they in Woodgate wait in January? And then yeah. a couple of other different centre halves went. And then obviously we got relegated, didn't we, after that? And yeah. for me, I know this is harsh, but 
when we got relegated, I knew it was my time then. I knew I was going to start playing because when we're in the Premier League with Rio Ferdinand, Woodgate, Radderby, you know, I'm 17, 18 spots all over my face and, you know, it's, <laughs> I wasn't going to get in. Do you know what I mean? So in a selfish way, it was a good thing it happened for me because I did get in and then I established myself. But um, yeah, that's really, it was it was a good standard of centre-halves. So yeah. that time I wasn't ready, but who knows if, if they'd have stayed, if I'd have got in or not, who knows. <laughs> Just a couple of seasons before that relegation, you, you hadn't featured in any of the Premier League squads in the first few matches of your professional contract. And your first time you travelled with Leeds, was a trip to Ukraine in the UEFA Cup to Metala. And you put although you failed to make the match day squad, what was that experience like being within within the squad for the first time? Yeah, that was great. That was another different level again. Um you know, we say training, but then sort of travelling with the lads, you know, going on the private runway on the jet and I had to wear a suit. Even though I turned up, I mean, my dad dropped me off at like half five in the morning at Leeds Bradford. And I walked into the airport and everyone's got a suit on and I've got my track suit on. <laughs> and had my suit in a carrier. So, you know, I think a couple of lads see me <laughs> ran into the toilet and changed. So I was nervous, you know, but it was great experience to see how they sort of lived and how they acted off the pitch as well and how they prepared for games. And uh, I went there and, you know, just just sort of getting your face around the first team. And there's nothing better when you know the first team think you're a good lad as well. So, you know, when I wasn't in the squad, it was sort of right, what drink do you want? Do you want a drink? Let me get that for you. Do you know what I mean? And it's sort of like building these. And then, you know, you can see that they're thinking, well, you know, Killer's a good lad. What's great to have? There's nothing worse than the first team as think not really like him do you know what I mean then you're battling uphill again and it's hard enough as it is so it was basically like right you know smudger do you want where's your shin pads let me get them for you do you want another drink so that's how I went there and that that was what happened when I actually made my debut I just thought I was traveling again I just thought right yeah come along I'll sweep the change rooms at the end <laughs> I'll um I was 18 years old right Came a smudger had a Lucas said, you know, I was just thinking I'll go again. So we trained out there as well the day before. And um, yeah, I thought it was for the experience of traveling and being with the first team. And uh, Venables, uh, Terry Venables, read the team sheet out and I was on it. I was on the bench and I was like, hang on a minute, who's doing the drinks? Who was going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? And I just thought to myself, right. You know, I don't think I even got my boots out of the out of the boot bag. So I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Do you know what I mean? Right, where's my shirt? So you like sort of put your shirt up and then it's sort of like the first time I'd seen my name on the shirt and everything. And then I was like, oh, here we go. And um, warmed up with the lads. I mean, I couldn't, it's not like now I'm texting home and going, listen, dad, I'm on the bench. Listen, mum, I'm on the bench. You know what I mean? Nothing like that. So, um yeah, I got on the bench warming up and a very like strange atmosphere because it was played in a neutral ground in Florence. Um, in Florence, in Florence yeah. yeah. It, it was it, we were there, 
So it's quite weird. Obviously, there's still Leeds fans were still there because they travel everywhere. And they were still there. And um, I remember sitting on the bench and about probably 20 minutes in, I can remember just looking down the line there. I was thinking, I'm the only centre-half on the bench here. I think, if, if one of these goes down, I'm on. So then I'm like, right. Oof. So I start watching the game a bit more, thinking. And I think about 50 minutes. And Radaby was, I mean, still unbelievable. He was coming to that end of his career where he was picking up a lot of niggles. I mean, he was probably playing with, with one knee for 18 months and still probably the best player on the pitch. And uh, I think he just went up for a header and landed on it funny and went down. And I just sort of looked at Venables and Eddie Gray and they were like, like, get your top off. I was like, all right then. And I was on. It was like, go on then. You're picking him up on the set piece and go. And I touched the ball after about 10 seconds and I passed it out to Ian Hart. And I was like, right, it's just a normal game again. Don't don't treat it like anything else. You can do this sort of thing. And I think we scored after about two minutes of it being on. And then it was just sort of like, right, enjoy this. And then we went on to win 4-1 or something. So it was uh, turned out to be, considering I thought I was just helping uh, getting the kits out and putting the socks out, it turned into uh, a good a good night for me. How did it feel six years after joining the club as a 12-year-old to finally make your, your Leeds United debut? And especially as well, replacing... Lucas Radaby. Yeah. Yeah, it was really special. Uh, I remember actually getting home, uh, mum and dad ringing me off the uh, house phone. <laughs> I think it was on Channel 5. I think it was on Channel 5, so they watched it. It was on Channel 5. I think when it just started, Channel 5 playing, just started, so they put the game on. And uh, just saying how proud they were with me. Like, it's unbelievable. Calvary, you were great when you came on. How do you feel? And I was just like, it just, it's it's crazy because you go on the pitch and it's the same when you've been out injured for maybe, you know, a long time and you do all this in your head. Can I still, can I do it? Like, how's my injury going to be? Am I fit enough? Am I match ready? And then as soon as the whistle goes, you're like, get the ball and it's like, is that you've been doing it like you did it Tuesday night and you're playing again Saturday? Just really, just comes back to you really easy. But it was, it was made easy for me for the players I was playing with when I came on. You know, I think David Batty was in front of me, Lee Bowyer, Harry Kewell. You know, you, the sort of passes you can put into them, where maybe another time you might think, well, he won't control this. You know, with a different player, but. It was very easy, a lot of talking. Michael Dubry next to me who talked me through it. Paul Robinson behind me. You know, I was looked after. But um got my my shirt in the uh garage there that's like a gym with all signed from the players that are on it. Um I'll send you a picture of it after. <laughs> all framed in the garage there with all like great debut, well done. So everyone signed it. So I've kept that and still the same. I'm being washed since, so uh, it's good. Yeah. And during that season, you were featuring quite regularly for England's under-18 and 19s team. However, you only managed two Premier League appearances that season, both coming off the bench. Was that frustrating at all for you? Because I know you said that you didn't expect to play fully. 
But did you expect you'd make more than two appearances? I never thought like that. I never mm. thought like that, to be honest. And Leeds were going through a tough time then as well. It was starting to change. It was, and I think to throw a young lad in in a tough time could be. I think I was looked after, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, to put a young lad in anyway, even if you're doing well, is a risk, isn't it? And then to put a young lad in when you're struggling could end up being a complete nightmare. So I think they looked after me. Um, I never ever thought, you know, I. I wasn't knocking on anyone's door going, why am I not playing? Do you know what I mean? I still had to earn my stripes a bit more, but um, no, I never thought like that. Like you said, in your first season as a professional, Leeds were really struggling financially off the pitch and they finished 15th that season. And the following season, Leeds started the campaign under a new manager, which was Peter Reid, which was Leeds' third manager in just over a year. How was it as a player, especially as you were young at the time, to have managers constantly changing whilst you were just progressing into the first team? Especially as David O'Leary, who was the manager before Venables, had been there for four years. It was annoying because obviously I was trying to break in and maybe I think, you know, Venables fancied me and liked me, obviously gave my debut. And then things weren't going great. And then Peter Reid came in. And it, I think... I don't think anyone really likes it, do they? I don't think fans like it. I don't think players do. When it's just constant changes of managers, you know, some managers might want to train at night. Some managers, everyone's different. So it sort of like, sort of confuses you a little bit. But all the you always seem to see the best teams always have a manager for quite a while, don't they? I can understand... Um, Teams changing the manager when it, they're struggling and they need to need a boost or something to get them out. You know that's what you know when Reedy came in, he did that, didn't he? Came in and went on a bit of a run. You know the great win at Arsenal and everything. So I can see when they do it, but um, for me personally, I, I didn't really care. I didn't really care about which manager was in charge. Um, I think I was too young to understand. No, if I was now, I'd be like, what's going on? Like, is another manager, another, you know, what's he going to want to play like? How is he going to play? When I was young, I just got on with it. I just got on with it. And I didn't know enough about the game at that age to start overthinking. For me, it was just train and try and get in the team. I mean, life was simple then. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> when Peter Reid started as manager for the 2003-2004 season, can you remember what the aims for that season were? Honestly, I really can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't think of. I mean, what was the squad then? What? Who? Who would we? Who would gone? That that was the season when Leeds got relegated. So just as they were yeah. selling all of the players, so all the top sort of play. I think everyone knew there was something not right. It was um, people getting sold. Things like Peter Risdale was on the telly all the time, wasn't he? You know, it was. Um, you could smell something. I can remember the first team having quite a lot of meetings between each other. You know, there was unrest there. I think they were trying to deduct, uh, not pay the wages on something like that. You know, they had to take a pay cut for a month or... Do you know what I mean? And it was all... It wasn't good. And then obviously rumours are 
you know, there's still good players there. Is he leaving? He wants to go. Um, so, wait, considering, you know, two, what, three years ago, it was Champions League. It all went like that so fast, didn't it? Yeah. I think that's that was the scary thing. That season, you started at Leeds, but just a couple of weeks into the campaign, you were loaned out to West Ham, who were in the league below. Was that your decision, or was it one bid by Leeds? It was. I can remember the game. I was playing against West Brom at the at, the, at their ground. I think I was playing against Jason Roberts up, up top, the top striker, and I did really well against him. And the next day, I was in. Do you know Collingham? Scarcroft. Oh, Scarcroft, yeah, I know Scarcroft, Scarcroft. Yeah, that's why I used to live in Scarcroft. And um, I just went in there and I, w- I went to get a sandwich in this sandwich shop. And my agent rang me. He said, Oh, what are you doing? I was like, Buying a sandwich. I'm like, Well, I'm thinking, Can you see me or something? He said, um, Right, you need to go home and get your stuff, pack your bags. I said, Why? He said, Well, you're going to uh, West Ham on loan. I was like, he said, oh, um, it was Glenn Roder. Glenn Roder, uh, was it, was West Ham. I said, he's at the game last night and he wants you on loan for the West Brom game. He said, you did great against Jason Robertson. I said, okay, then. Um, right. I said, where am I going? When am I going? He said, uh, now, today. I'm like, eh? He's <laughs> like, right. So I went back to my dad's house and um, I was like, Dad, one, I'm off to West Ham, and two, how the fuck do I get there? <laughs> no sat navs then. I had a Ford Puma, a Ford Puma I had, and he just said to me, "Well, have you got a road map?" And I was like, Are "You taking the?" I was like, "You taking the Mick? Rain the road map while driving?" He said, "Just head south." I said right. So I remember just looking at him in my in my mirror and him waving at me, and me just thinking. I ain't got a clue where I'm going. And they just gave me like a hotel on a roundabout on the M25. And how I found that hotel, I will never, ever know. There was no one to ring. There was no sat navs. I just headed south. And somehow I came across it. And I met Glenn Rolder. And to be fair, they they looked after me. I had a right time there. I was um, in a place called Repton Park. And... uh, it was like a gated community, like big, like lovely apartments. Um, I was like, we, there was a gym there. I used to go to the gym and there's like um, all like pop stars there. Can, can you remember Blue? Yeah. Can you remember Blue? Yeah. They were in there like on the cross train. I was like, I've cracked it. Ronnie O'Sullivan was in there, the snooker <laughs> player. I was like, ah, oh, London's different, isn't it? <laughs> different world. Yeah. Different world, so but I love West Ham. West Ham were the nicest people there at that club. Honestly, I had a right time there. It, it was great, and um, I grew up a lot. You know, it was cooking your own meals, almost thinking coming back from training. Well, what am I having for tea? You know, it, it was. Um, I'm so glad I did that because I could have easily have just. And West Ham's a huge club as well. You know, and I, I could have gone. You know. Well, no, I'm not ready. Do you know what I mean? Well, hang on a minute. I'm not going today. I just played last night. You know, I just travelled from West Brom back home at night time. Probably didn't get in till one and then up and you want me to travel? I just said, yeah. And I think that's something I always had. I thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. I was always quite, I don't want to say crazy, but I was always like, 
well, yeah, what, what's the problem? Let's crack on sort of things. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm heading down south in a Ford Puma, not knowing where I was going. And at your time at West Ham, you, you didn't feature as much as you'd have probably wanted to. Uh, mm. And you ended up returning to Leeds in January. And, and during your absence, Leeds were not only bottom at Premier League, but they'd have replaced manager again, this time with Eddie Gray stepping in. And when you did return to Leeds in January, did Eddie Gray discuss with you at all about his plans we have at rest of the season? Well, just on the on West Ham, when I went there, I think West Ham had just got relegated and had a lot of top players there. So I had uh, Tom um, Daly at centre-half, Pierce, Thomas Repka, Defoe, Carrick, uh, Matty Everington was there. Uh, who else was there? Neil Mellor, David James. Do you know what I mean? So I went there and it was like flipping heck. Like, and, but I also think they did it for me to get more experience again and, you know, grow up a little bit. And uh, then Glenn Roder, I think he had a heart problem and Trevor Brooking took over. And Trevor Brook, Brook uh, yeah, Trevor Brooking took over. And I came on a few times and then Alan Pardew took over. And that's when I played against Tottenham in the FA Cup, I think it was. I think they beat us 1-0. Zamora scored last sort of in extra time. And he really fancied me, Pardew, and said, listen, I want you to stay to the end of the season. And I was like, right, well, that, I was thinking, I'd like to go back, really, because everything was, it wasn't great at least. And you're thinking, well, you know, I've, he's fancy. I've played against, you know, Robbie Keane was up front and I did well. I thought, well, let's go, let's go back and have a look. Now, when I went back, Eddie Gray said, you know, I've heard great things about you at West Ham, what you've been training and, you know, playing when you've come on. Um, you know, you could be in here. And he liked bringing young people through, didn't young players, you know, Woodgate or Smudger, all them. And um, yeah, he put, I, you know, I played a few games. It, it was hard though. I, I think the games I played were already almost relegated, to be honest. Uh, we had, the team wasn't great. We had a lot of people on loan. It was, it was hard. It was hard to, you know, play there, but I loved it. Uh, you know what I mean? For me, I was just thinking, just play as well as you can. Play as well as you can, and who knows, you know. And um, Yeah, but Eddie Gray was great with me and gave me my chance. Yeah, and as you said, Eddie Gray ended up starting you in seven of the remaining 17 matches in that second half of that season and handed you your first Premier League debut. Uh, well, start, should I say. What What can you remember about your first Premier League start? Oh, my God. Was it against Aston Villa? I'm sure it was Aston Villa at home. I might have to double check that one, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, and it was at Aston Villa at home. And it was against Dion Dublin up front. So, you know, chucking the deep end straight away, elbows everywhere, flick on. <laughs> I think I was on his back for about 65 minutes of the game, just resting on it. But um, we drew nil-nil. Um, I got man of the match, so it was perfect. Couldn't have gone any better. I've got... Um, I think on my thirtieth birthday, I opened a bottle of champagne that I got for that. My dad used to write on the uh, labels, 
if I got my other match who we played against and the score and that. So that was a good one. But I just remember thinking, first one I remember thinking is how packed the stadium was. When you run out and you see the family stand, it's not, is it not called the family stand now though, is it? The one right stand. opposite. East, 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 stand. East stand, yeah. And to me, it's family stand. Yeah, it still is to us, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I remember running out thinking, whoa, because that it was a big stadium back then. I know it's, it still is quite big, but it was one of the biggest in uh, the league or in the world. I remember running out thinking, here we go, like, we're on here. And um, I played against Dion Dublin up top and uh, did a job on him. And um, he said to me after, well played. What I'll always, always remember as well. But um, I, couldn't, I couldn't say to you what, what I did in the game. If you said to me, what did you do good or what did you do bad? It was all sort of a bit of a blur. And before you know it, the, the, the whistle's gone. But I can remember it being nil-nil and we got a clean sheet. And we hadn't had many of them that season. Yeah. And despite Eddie Gray's arrival and your inclusions in that second half of the season... Leeds' form continued to suffer and Leeds travelled to Bolton Wonders uh, on the 2nd of May 2004 knowing that anything but a, a win would confirm the relegation to the Championship despite having two more matches to play that season and you, you were on the bench that day in that 4-1 loss what can you remember about the game and how did you feel after it was confirmed? It was just feel a bit numb a bit I you know, everyone used to say, oh, the squad's too good to go down, didn't it? Leeds won't go down. And then when it absolutely happened, it was like, wow, this is happening. Do you know what I mean? Even in the game, maybe before the game, you knew the lads weren't confident. Do you know what I mean? The pressure had to win and you just thought, this isn't going to be good, this. He said, something's going to happen. I can't remember how the scoring went, but I can never be sitting on the bench thinking, we're in this, or we could win this. You know, and then the scenes after, you know, and people crying, and I just don't think... I I, I think everyone thought, oh, Leeds will get out of this. Do you know what I mean? And it just, just kept getting worse and worse, and less games, less games, and before you know it, relegated with two games left. But from that time, staying up on the last day when I travelled, we stayed up against Arsenal, the bus back, the party bus, shall I say. (laughs) On that occasion, you know, champagne, uh, flipping, beers, everything you can, you know, think of dancing, everything to the journey back from Bolton was so different. We just quiet. And um, say to then get yourself going for the last two games of the season was um, it was hard. I could imagine. Like you said, like you said, then the players probably weren't that confident going into that game. How long do you think they had that mentality for? Because, like you said, many of the fans were saying, "Oh, we're too good to stay up," but the team itself was very low down in the table. Yeah, <laughs> I think it started maybe at the start of the season. Preparation, talking that people are leaving, not in no money there anymore. Do you know what I mean? I think it'll just filter down and um, just got worse and worse. You know, it's all right if you're near the bottom in sort of January because everyone still says, oh, they won't go down, it's too good. 
and then you put another three losses on, you know, and then before you know it, you're out of time. And games come like this, you know, you're playing all the time. So I just, I think that some of the players Leeds brought in, the signings and the people on loan came there sort of thinking, well, it's Leeds United, it's a massive club, but weren't ready for how much pressure was there. You know, the fans crazy about if you didn't put enough effort in, you know, they, all they want is someone who tries really hard. And I think a lot of the people that came on loan didn't, you know what I mean? But they were trying to, there was no money there. So they had to bring people in that they probably normally wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? And then you just get a squad that might start separating, you know. So, yeah, it was a bad time. It's I, I wish I could put my finger on it and say it was that, but there's nothing. I just think it was a big bit of everything from the start of the season. The following season, Leeds began the campaign under yet another manager with Kevin Blackwell replacing Eddie Gray. That season, Leeds were in reported debt of almost £100 million. And before the season had started, Leeds sold 14 players, including James Milner, Mark Viduka and Alan Smith, and brought in 16 new first-team players for a combined fee of just £1 million, most of who were free transfers and players who were like nearing the end of their career. Obviously, Leeds had just fallen out of the Premier League, but was the aim that season just to try and stay in the Championship rather than to try and achieve straight back to try and achieve promotion straight back to the top flight? I think the aim is always trying to go straight up, isn't it? I think. But when you started seeing the sort of plays we were bringing in, it was, well, hang on a minute. You know, every every player who I spoke speak to or spoken about footy who I, you know, I've played with or whatever, always say, I'd love to go to Leeds. I always want to play for Leeds United. You know, it'd be a club I'd love to have played for. So I think when people got the phone call and certain players that Leeds wanted them, they probably couldn't believe it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you know who's this? You know, <laughs> who's winding me up? You know, because they weren't good enough for Leeds. They weren't. And that's just what it was. Um, and I think that season showed that. Um, but then after a while, um, the signings got better. They got better and we actually developed a, a good squad. As well as the change in the league from, from the Premier League to the Championship, Leeds also had a new owner with Ken Bates buying the club from Peter Ridgedale for just £1 because of the financial problems. Mm. Did that change anything for you as a player? What, as a, a different chairman? Yeah, because he was cutting the cost to try and reduce the debt. Yeah. I it didn't for me because I was a young lad anyway and I was on what I was on. But I'm sure if you spoke to maybe people at 28 years old that were coming into Leeds and they were offering what they were offering, they were probably thinking, hey, you know, no way sort of thing. And that's why I think maybe we got players that weren't quite good enough. I mean, you don't really see... I mean, he could only come into England, into Britain four times a month or something, apparently, because he lived somewhere. Um, but he was he was a character. I remember the Christmas do's, he was always on quite good form and always had something funny to say. But um, 
for someone who you want looking after your club, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's um, I, I don't know about that, but at least he gave it a go. And um, there was a lot of people who wouldn't touch them with the amount of debt they were in. So fair play to him on that. And he probably really enjoyed himself as being Lee's chairman with the way it went, you know, a, 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 like a year later. And despite the wholesale changes, both on and off the pitch at Leeds, with Leeds selling Thorpe Arch and Ellen Road uh, the mm-hmm. same year, you started 28 matches that season in the Championship and uh, ahead of fellow defenders Michael Debiri and uh, Clark Carlisle. How did you find playing more consistently as opposed to under 10 matches like you had done the previous two years? Yeah, miles better. You get fitter, feel sharper. Um, but th- that, that time was always going to come. You know, it was always coming for me. It was just, like you say, getting a good run. But, I, you know, them games where I only played seven games in the Premier League, was it? That was all experience for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you can't use experience for too long. You know, you can't, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not experienced enough yet. You know, sooner or later, you've got to go, well, hang on a minute. I need to put a run of games together now. You know, there still was some good centre-halves there. You know, Dubs had played for Chelsea and had a, re- a great career. You know, and he was, you know, big character. You know, and he sees me nudging against him now and then start playing in front of him. So it all started changing. And with that, you get confidence. And you, you sort of realise that this is where you're supposed to be. And the games, you just churn them out and play. And um, uh, who did I play with that year? Was that when it was with Butler or or was that the, that the year before? The year before, Butler, yeah. The year before, yeah. There's a Butler. And you get a good understanding with someone as well. You always need sort of a partnership. And um, I've always sort of played when I was younger with an older centre-half. You know, when I was young, I was fast. That was one of my strengths for a centre-half. And they virtually went and headed all the medicine balls and the buses. And I just ran round and mopped up for them. So I think they like playing with me as well. <laughs> and that season, Blackwell helped Leeds finish 14th, which was, ve- which was very much a mid-table finish. However, many fans saw not being relegated that season as a positive. Did you feel the same at all? Um, you do. You, you you start to realise, like, do you know when you said, oh, when you get relegated, you always think, oh, we'll come straight back up. So it's a massive team. Yeah. But then you start realising, well, they haven't got the money to bring these players in anymore. Um, I can remember, like, seeing the training kit and the kit and thinking, hey, it wasn't, it wasn't like the kit you used to, do you know, little things like that. Probably. And you hear the training ground and, been sold and the stadium, uh, the sort of players we'd brought in. Um, yeah, you were almost quite happy with where we actually finished because you knew that people would always come to Leeds next year and they might, you know, you might put a little bit more money in next year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they might have been just seeing where it happened and then um, obviously next year came and we, we cracked on. Yeah, the following season, you continued to feature regularly under Blackwell and Leeds had ambitions of maybe achieving a higher finish than the previous season. After a good start, Leeds saw themselves in third place by the end of February and battling for automatic promotion. What do you think was the difference in the performances that season as opposed to the previous season, which saw Leeds finish mid-table? Um, I think 
maybe because it was Kevin Blackwell's first manager's job, wasn't it? As well, I think. Yeah. And I think he might have learned a few things. Better players signed, hundred percent more experience. Um, maybe because the chem was maybe just you know putting that extra grand on a week than he did the season before, or do you know? And then you it attracts more players. Then yeah. we had a settled team as well. I think we'd got rid of a lot of de- debris as well. Do you know what I mean? The sort of because it wasn't going so great. You, sometimes you get a little bit of negative energy as well. And we brought real, real good characters into the club. Uh, also, like people that had been promoted before, what always helps because the championship is a tough, tough league. I think that helped, um, and it did. You, you could see we were horrible to play against. We all had each other's back. Uh, made some really good signings and we had a good season. And eventually, after a battling for automatic promotion, Leeds finished fifth after picking up just one win in the final 10 matches and had to settle for a playoff semi-final against Preston. After winning the two-legged match 3-1 on Aggregate, Leeds confirmed their place in the playoff final against Watford at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, which was played just two weeks after overcoming Preston. In them two weeks, did you prepare any differently for the final against Watford to com- compared to the championship matches that you'd played before in the season? Um, yeah, we did a little bit, to be fair. I mean, we, we had, from that Preston game, I think we had a c- few injuries and a few sending-offs. So the team was going to be completely different. Um, where before, we had you knew your team, basically. Like when you walk into a change room, we was like, there's no point, you know, Blackwell saying the team, we know what it was, you know, we just beat. And when it came to um, that game, I was thinking to myself, I hope you don't put me left back. <laughs> <laughs> Played all season at centre half. But I had to do it because we had no one else. Stephen Craney got sent off and the, the the team was completely different, and uh, Butler, Paul Butler, who played, who was outstanding all season, and I love playing with him. He he came back from maybe three months out and trained for like a week, and was thrown straight in at centre half. Do you know what I mean? In a massive game like that on a massive pitch, um, against you know Marlon Harewood, who was just his main thing was running in behind at that time. He was on fire. It was just too much and um, it um, it didn't go well. Uh, but then I watched it the other day, you know, on telly here. It was on because there's been no footy on, has there? Yeah, there's been you know, any highlights they have archived, yeah. I mean, two playoff losses, so that's great. I love watching them, mate. <laughs> um, and uh, um, what was I saying then? I was watching. Oh, yeah, and I said it didn't go well for me. I was watching it back. After about six minutes into the game, they clear one off the line. Actually, Young clears one off the line. I was like, I can't remember that. I was like, from my long throw. I've never done a throw in all season and I'm acting like Rory Delap in the first six minutes of the game, drying the ball off and everything and launching it in. We could have been 1-0 up and then it can... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then And then I watched the goals and I can't believe how bad they were, the goals. And the mistake, like... The, the, the first one, someone I don't know who's marking, just completely lets him go and head the ball in the back of the net. Second goal sort of spins, 
hits the post, hits Sully and goes in. And you're like, eh? And then the third goal is a penalty when I think Sean Derry just wipes him out. I'm just like, you, you don't know we've got a chance of getting the Premier League here, don't you? Any chance? Like, so, yeah, it couldn't have gone any worse, really. That was a bad day, that was. You started all three of the playoff batches, both legs against Preston and, of course, the final against Watford. And despite the bad result, like you said, how did it feel standing on the pitch before kickoff at the Millennium Stadium, singing the English national anthem with all the tens of thousands of Leeds fans packed into the stadium? Yeah, that was class. That was unbelievable. It was so noisy. I remember the bus, though, as well, coming into the stadium. I mean, you could hardly get the bus through, just fans everywhere. And you're like, well, it's when the nerves started kicking in. It's like, right, here we go. Then you come out the tunnel and the flames come on. I had that much hairspray in my hair when I had my long hair. Surprised <laughs> my hair didn't have been set alight. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, I remember that, the heat of sort of the flares going off, you know, and then lining up, obviously, and looking up and seeing sort of yellow that side and then white all around there. It was, it was crazy. The result effectively cost uh, manager at the time, Kevin Blackwell's job. And he was sacked in September with Leeds in the relegation places the following season. Following that, John Carver took over in temporary charge at the club for a month. And then in that spell, Leeds picked up just three points. Do you think that Leeds should have looked to appoint a permanent manager instead of going to John? Not as like on a personal level, but do you think they should have gone for the permanent option instead of appointing somebody's temporary manager? Yeah, definitely. But you also think, you know, they had a goal that see the season before, you know, maybe the wages that season there, it was like they pulled back again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, not putting a proper manager in. There's rumours of like players going, there were rumours about me going. Um it was all starting to sound a little bit like the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? How it started. You know, it was a little bit like, well hang on, where's he gone? I think did Rob Hulse go? Yeah. Rob Hulse yeah, might yeah. have gone, players were going, they're saying I was going. Um and you just felt it again. The players didn't it didn't crack on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. Hang yeah. on, we've just lost in the playoff final. Who are we getting now? There must be thousands of thousands of players who we can get. Yeah. And probably would come for lower than normal anyway, just to play for Leeds. And they didn't come through the door. And you think to yourself, hey. Right, and then it started to smell a little bit like that. And then from that start of the season to January, I, I really didn't enjoy it at Leeds. Dennis Wise came in, didn't like him. He didn't like me. Um, I knew I was sort of going. The, the, the signings they were bringing in then were just... Some of the players that played for Leeds should never have played for them. On, and I'm not harsh, but... It's life, you know what I mean? Yeah, Championship yeah. team and some of the players that were sort of playing in front of me and playing in front of other people were just like mind-blowing. So you could smell it was happening. I uh, don't know if, you know, I think Wise and Bates were good mates. I don't know if they wanted to just completely start again. But um, no, I did it. And then from then, did that season, did they get? I went to Sheffield United then in the January. 
you get relegated then, Leeds? Or was it the season after? No, no yeah, that, that, that season. season, yeah. That season. You got relegated? Yeah. So, you, do you know what I mean? So, something's not right there, is it? No, no, no. Yeah. You look at the players that were playing, it was just like, wow. Like you said, when Blackwell left the club, Dennis Wise was appointed in October. How was your relationship with Dennis Wise compared to Blackwell? Because Wise didn't seem to feature you as much as Blackwell did when he was at the club. Yeah. He, ne- he never featured me. He just, I don't know. I don't know if he didn't. It, I don't know if maybe Bates had said to him, don't play killer, don't want to get him injured, he's leaving in January. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. There was no reason. I never had a fallout with him. He just never took to me from the start. Um, but his attitude towards you was disgusting. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would never let him speak to me like that now as a man. But I, I, what age was I? 21? Max. You know what I mean? They can't, you know, say something at that age. You know, there's still a long way to go in my career. But he wasn't a nice person. He spoke to people like shit. Even, you know, top players that was, you know, Gary Kelly that was there. I don't know if he was just told to go in and ruffle some feathers so they'll leave. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what the thinking was. Oh, they'll go on a free then. You know, they won't want any money. They just want to get out. So, strange one. Yeah. I didn't vote for, let's just put it this way. I didn't vote for him on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And after continuing to feature less underwise, the January transfer window arrived and after 11 years at Leeds, which at the time was almost half of your life, you made the switch across Yorkshire on the permanent transfer to Sheffield United, who at the time were in the Premier League. Mm. How did you feel about leaving Leeds to join a Premier League club, but also bringing your 11 years at Leeds to an end? It was sad. It was sad because it wasn't the way I wanted to leave Leeds. You know what I mean? It was a club that was going back downhill again and I wasn't playing and I didn't feel wanted there either. You know, like you say, after being there from 12 years old, do you know what I mean? And, you know, done well for the club when I was playing, you know, and then brought, I I just felt the day I was leaving, you know, I, I thought to myself, I didn't even have the opportunity to go around and shake everyone's hand who I'd been with there for six years. All the sort of the dinner ladies, you know, Gladys, and they'll still, you know, speak to me if I see them now. Sooty, physios, I had a lot of mates there. Do you know what I mean? Who had, they'd seen me since I was this high. And I couldn't, you know, I, I was just like, and I didn't even go and say bye to him. It, it didn't feel right for me to go back in the building. Do you know what I mean? It was it was weird. It was like, right, just get your stuff. Get your stuff, mate. Your time's done here. And it, 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 it was known like that. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, off you go now. What, what, what was sad, but it's football, you know. I mean, it's don't you can't get too down about it because the amount of people you see come and go, you know, you can play a lot of... A lot of games for clubs, and before you know it, you're gone, aren't you? And everyone's forgotten about you. It's the harsh world of footy, but yeah, it was, it was sad, and it's just sort of more sad not being able to go shake. You know, my like the physios who have been there, Sutty and Gladys and the boot man, 
Um, I can't remember his name now. The Sean, Sean Harvey. Is it Sean? Sean, let me Sean. Do you know what I mean? And just saying bye to them. But uh, it didn't feel right for me to go back in and do it all. Do you know what I mean? Because I'd been out of the sort of frame of it. And it was almost like, right, get your wash bag, get your sh- tr- shoes and get yourself to Sheffield United. How come you ended up leaving Leeds? What was the main factor which like which which made you leave Leeds? Was it to do with Dennis Wise, like you mentioned, obviously not having a good relationship, or was it the attraction of Premier League football again? That's a that's a thing. I don't want to you know offend one for Sheffield. Sheffield United is a massive club as well. Do you know what I mean? And was in the Premier League. No, straight soon, and I wasn't playing. You know, at the start of the season. Six Premier League teams wanted me. Well, then I hadn't played for three months and Sheffield United were the only team that stayed with me. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I've got to give, you know, my time at Sheffield United was right up there the best time in my career that I've ever had. Fans, everything. And um, obviously, yeah, you know, bigger wages, you know, all the sort of stuff playing in the Premier League. I, I was very excited to go there, but the way it happened, finished at Leeds, was what I was disappointed with. Yeah, it was a, it, it was a bit of a kick in the ass, but I'm sure every player's had that sort of thing where you're like, we don't want me anymore. You know what I mean? But it's the way it is. And less than four months later, when you are playing for Sheffield United, Leeds were scrapping at the bottom of League One, mm. and were seemingly already relegated to League One. Uh, the club were deducted minus 10 points for going into administration, which was a standard penalty at the time. I remember that now, yeah. And wow. uh, when when you were at Leeds, did you ever feel that was a possibility? Did you ever have that sense of administration maybe? Or was it completely out of the blue when you heard? I wouldn't say it was out of the blue. There's nothing, there was no talk of it, but as in saying administration, but if I was a little bit older and a little bit more wiser back then, you know, sort of my age now or 28, 30, mm. it'd have been something, me thinking, what, what am I going to get my wages? Do you know what I mean? They're, they're talking about this and talking about that. You know, at the time when I was younger, it was just like, I'll be all right. Everything's fine. Don't worry. They'll, they'll pay the after. But as you get older, you start thinking, well, hang on. That hasn't been paid. They're selling this. They're selling that. And then eventually it came. It was a bad time that because obviously Leeds got relegated to League One for yeah. the first time in the club's history. But ten years later, Leeds are now back stable off the pitch and top of the Championship and close to reaching Premier League football once again. Do you think Leeds are, this year's finally Leeds' season to get back to the Premier League? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, I, I just I I love watching them. I love I love watching how they play. Um, Bielsa's got them playing outrageous football, really. The energy of them. I mean, that click. I, I've never seen anyone run Dallas. Out of mile, I've never seen anybody um, run like that. Just got them playing good football. I can't see. The only little worry is that Phillips is out. Yeah. That's a bit of a worry because when he was out before, they had a little bit of a wobble up, didn't they? Yeah, I think he ended up losing to Forrest. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. They start. They sort of play that four-one, four-one, don't they? Where he sits and just lets them go, and then he's everywhere. He reads the game so well, so that's a bit. But Barnsley tomorrow night will be a hard game because it's a local derby for starters, and then throw on top of that that they've got a 
stay up. You know, they've got to win to stay up sort of thing. They need points. But um, Leeds will be absolutely bouncing with confidence now. They'll just be riding a, riding the clouds. If they start well, it could be a big score, big win. And they've just got to go out and enjoy it. There's no oh. crowd there that might help them a little bit. Do you know, with just with the sort of pressure side of it, I'm not saying because Leeds fans, they play even better when the Leeds fans are shouting. But I just think for this game, a Yorkshire derby, do you know what I'm trying to say? They might be able to yeah, play yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, nah, that, that I mean, they Brentford won, didn't they? But yeah. I just think that, I mean, I think one more win and a draw will get them up. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. They, and the players they've got, they'd have to bring maybe one or two players in because the rest of them are good enough to play in the Premier League. Yeah. To be fair, I don't, I don't, I don't think Bielsa will change it much anyway, if at all. Yeah, maybe, maybe another striker, and I, I haven't seen enough of the young keeper. I don't know. Yeah, he looks he looks all right, but then you've got that next level there, where it's it's, it's a big step up as a Premier League. You know, regarding pressure and you know how they they're going to be doing a lot of defending, basically, aren't they? Leeds probably if they go up at the start, you know. But I think I think they've got a team. I think like Sheffield United when they went up the way they played, everyone's like, oh, they won't be able to do it in the Premier League. But I was like, if they play in the Premier League like they have done in the championship they've worked on it for so long it'll work for them man i love watching them as well sheffield united play they play unbelievable football and if bielsa keeps it the same i think it'll work and they'll do well they've got good good players in that team this second section of the show is sponsored by the harrogate cbd company Harrogate CBD Company are a local business run by Leeds United fans and they're on a mission to help people sleep better and relax during our stressful promotion campaign. They source the finest CBD products so you don't need to look any further when looking for anxiety relief or a helping hand when struggling to sleep. Research has shown that CBD can help refresh your mindset and increase your focus to reduce anxiety and their oils contain pure hemp, organic ingredients and less than 0.2% THC content. If you want to find out more about their products, visit them on www.hgcbd.co.uk or on Instagram at Harrogate underscore CBD and add the discount code LUFC to receive 5% off all their sprays and oils. They've also begun shipping their products worldwide as well as the UK and can now offer delivery to 72 different countries, so check them out. In this section... Our followers get to ask their questions to our guests by commenting on our LUFC Fan Zone Instagram post. Each episode, we select four questions which are commented and put them forward to our guests. This week's first question comes from Jordy, who asks... Hi guys, hi Matt. Uh, my question is, who was the biggest character you ever worked with in the Leeds dressing room? Oh, so we had some big characters. I, I'll use the example of when I was playing in that season where we got into playoffs because that's where I played the most games and was more as a main player there. Do you know what I mean? So you had Robbie Blake, big character, very funny guy, should have played more for Leeds, unbelievable player. Gary Kelly, by a mile, probably Gary Kelly would be the biggest. I mean, I've seen him do things that you just like, 
you know, how's he got away with that? You know, in a, in a bar or in a pub. But yeah, big big characters. But we had other characters in another way of before games, how they would, you know, get you going, like Paul Butler and uh, Neil Sullivan, Sean Derry. So characters that would, but off the pitch for us, social and laugh would be Gary Kelly. Our second question comes from Daniel, who asks, Hey lads, how are you, man? My question is, seeing as how you came through the youth setup and were in and around the club at the time, what was your opinion on the Alan Smith to United transfer? Cheers. Wow. Uh, I mean, he was a Leeds legend, wasn't he? Let's have it right. He was probably, at that time when they were playing well, he was he was the main guy that everyone loved, wasn't he? But then, can you, can you fault him going there, winning the Premier League and, you know, FA Cups and... I think it's quite quite hard to say to him. I mean, if Leeds, I think, I tell you what, it, I think it would be different if, say, Leeds were, say, in the Premier League and was, say, sixth, seventh, and he went there. I think that would be, I think that would be harsh, I think, because you're at a good club, you, you're, you're loved by everyone there. You know, you always say how much Man United, but the way it finished with Leeds getting relegated, can he... Turn, you know, he might be thinking, well, when am I ever going to win the Premier League? Do you know what I mean? And he was good enough to do that, wasn't he? He was brilliant for Leeds, top, top striker. So that might have been something where, you know, well, of course I've got to go on there. Where, you know, is that opportunity ever going to come again? Where, what sort of club do you go to when you get relegated? It's never normally a top three team, is it? It's probably not someone like who's just finished 14th, if you're lucky. Yeah. So when they came in, he probably thought, well, well, they won't come in again. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I know, I know, Leeds fans are crazy, so you've got to be careful what you're saying, Dan. But I, I personally, I, I don't think. I just think because he was loved so much, it hurt the fans more. But I think if you asked a lot of fans honestly, I think they might do the same if they were professional footballers. Do you, oh, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once yeah. in a lifetime opportunity, but exactly, it's Man United. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, it's one in a lifetime. Now he's, you know, Leeds have moved on now. They've got their own heroes now in your Calvin Phillips. And, you know, he's almost forgot about now. And, you know, he's probably I think he lives in America now. He's living in America with Premier League medals. So do you know what I mean? He's probably looking back now. It's probably hard for him at the time, but I think he did the right thing. Our next question comes from Johnny, who asks... Hi, guys. Hi, Matt. So my question for you is, did Dennis Wise have an effect on the dressing room when he first arrived at Ellen Road? And how did the players take to his confrontational presence? Do I need to answer that? (laughs) It's completely up to you. (laughs) I I think I've said enough with it. I think it didn't work. I don't know what he was trying to do. I think he wanted to shake a few things up and went about it the way he did. Um, I think he wanted his own team and wanted people out. So I think the way he thought he could get people out and maybe on a free, you know, get them out without saying, I want this, I just want to go, was being a bit of a uh, twat to him, to be honest. And, you know, it's hard because you don't know what the chairman was saying to him. Maybe he didn't want to do that. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. It didn't work for me anyway, let's put it that way. I didn't enjoy my time there with when he was in charge. 
This week's final question comes from Kieran, who asks, During your time at Leeds, which player was the biggest joker at the club and what was the best prank they pulled? I can remember when I was, we just moved up to the new training um, ground, you know, at the top. Because Dave Hancock, the physio, was obsessed with his swimming pool. Wouldn't let the lads go in there, didn't have flip-flops on and all that. So I think a couple of lads, Gary Kelly, Michael Dubery, they all went and bought loads of ducks. I think Robbie Fowler was there and set them off in the uh, in the swimming pool. So, like, so then Dave Hancock, the physio, went to put a training session on. So all the lads have come down to go in the pool. And he went to open the door and there's ducks just swimming along on the water. That was a good one. Um, I can remember when... Uh, Sutty, have the physio, first team physio, he used to masseur, masseur for 60 years, and he used to have little fat fingers. So he used to call him sausage fingers. And um, one day, I think it was David Batty and maybe Woodgate, went to the butchers in Boston Spa and bought about 200 pounds worth of sausages and put them all over his car. So, like, they'd lift the windscreen wiper up like that. Then just pierce sausages all the way down his car, put him in his exhaust. Just basically, he came out and there's like 200 pounds worth of the sausages all over his car. I mean, that was funny, but it was more the reaction as the um, sooty that was hilarious. But there's so many, so many, but just good times, man. Time. Yeah. And that ends today's episode. Thank you to everyone for sending their questions and thank you so much for your time, Matt. No problem. Enjoyed it, lads. Keep up the good work. We'll be back in two weeks with our next guest, but who will you choose? Stay tuned for the upcoming vote over on our LUFC Fan Zone Instagram story later this week. Thanks for listening.